to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 car... Pac-12 car... <laughs> you dumb dumb. Podcast. You are not the Pope of Puppy Pat Town. I'm Carlos at Equity Brood on Twitter. Joining me, a woman free from the shackles of Twitter jail, Avery at Brave Grapes. I'm back. It feels so good to be able to tweet again. And uh, a man who still has some time left on his sentence to serve in Twitter jail, Matt, at no pit stops. I was so angry, and I just, God, I'm just so happy now. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you playing that, but also I feel like it's just ruined my entire aesthetic Wait, for this. What episode. is it from? I just sent you the link. It's a TikTok. It's like a four minute video. It's amazing. I've Truly never felt four more minutes. seen. I have to figure out what one minute I was going to keep. I've never felt more seen. It's amazing. Carlos didn't even play the best part. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Okay, I need to talk about the Twitter jail thing because Matt also got sent to Twitter jail. Um, but our offenses were incredibly different. No, I was right. I'm I was calling right. misogyny right now because I told someone they looked like they need to be slapped, and Matt told someone to die. <laughs> so, no, I told someone to d asterisk e. That's very different. Okay, I said you look like you deserve to be slapped and. Matt is making threats. So I, did. I, I did. No, it was that I would kill them. That's right. But it was about oversized <laughs> helmet logos. And I, frankly, I'm right. Like, you are right. Oversized logos are bad, and people that like them don't deserve rights. No. How is it misogyny if you both got thrown in Twitter jail? Because I got seven. We got the same offense. And oh, I, yeah, mine was, yeah, that's right. Like, if I had like a one day suspension, I would have been fine. But a fucking week? That is so long. <laughs> They knew Utah football couldn't handle you having Twitter on Saturday. You'd have burned the shit down. I missed out on so much fun. Yeah, brutal stuff or brutal stuff. Well, anyway, let let us talk about week six of the Pac-12 season. This episode, we're going to recap every single game as we normally do. UCLA's big win over Utah, USC's win over Washington State, the rest of the slate, all of that stuff. Uh, We'll talk about the state of the Pac-12. Avery's got some Pac-12 rankings. We're going to talk about those. We'll make our picks for week seven. But first, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're still at 3.2 stars, slowly climbing, slowly making uh, progress. We're at 114 reviews now, so hopefully we'll get to 3.5 by the end of this month. Uh, thanks to homie Frequent Flyer 26 who said, quote, 
genuinely enjoyable and fun despite their continued Cal erasure. Feels like they're going to have to change that when Cal is 5-1 and one and heading into a matchup with UW to decide the Pac-12 North frontrunner. That was on September 26th. <laughs> How uh, how things change in just two weeks. Also, read a book. Pac-12 North frontrunner doesn't matter. Yeah, well, he said North in in, in quotes. To be fair, um, Cal has two losses now. So, and also Utah is bad. bad. <laughs> so. Do we do? Yeah, I want. I was going to ask you. Do do we do Cal erasure? Or does Cal do Cal erasure? Okay, can you? Cal does Cal erasure. Can you blame us? Cal's so boring. <laughs> I watched two full cow games and that that is more than enough for me i'm full i'm full <laughs> off of cow <laughs> i can't do more having bye week was nice sorry buddy i'd love to i'd love to i'd love to pay attention to cal but yeah uh anyway lastly if you want more pac 12 discourse more pac 12 nonsense more pack 12 smack talk go to our patreon at no truckstops.com every uh tuesday or afternoon or wednesday morning yeah we do it t- tuesday afternoon tuesday evening something like that somewhere between that grapes and i overreact to the pack 12 happenings and end up doing some weirdo narrative driven previews uh, no stats no, no analytics <laughs> we do talk a little <laughs> bit of stats and analytics but yes it's mostly about storylines meanwhile matt and greg drop their weekly pack 12 preview from a, a gambling perspective by thursday mornings so if you want all that and access to our discord and live recordings of these shows go check out our patreon at no truckstops.com all right Let's get into it. Let's start with a recap of everything that went down in the Pac-12 this past weekend. Matthew Hubertson, take us away. Um, real quick, parental advisory for about the next, oh, 60 seconds or so. Um, foul language and uh, statements <laughs> of, man of tears. self-immolation. Um, again, 60 <laughs> seconds or so, and then come back. We'll have a great time. Um, week six in the Pac-12, uh, summarized by Matt Got Fucked. Uh, Matt got fucked by Dorian Thompson Robinson and Zach Charbonnet. Matt got fucked by the refs uh, who were USC grads and apparently a part of the Los Angeles mafia. Matt got fucked by Tempe and the black hole that is the entire city. Uh, Matt got fucked by Stanford. I don't, I truly don't have any other way to say that. I don't, I I don't, I don't, I fuck you guys that I don't. (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> and then Bo Nix was also has also like yet to be shit. So like I don't know what to do with that. I'm continually fucked in that. And like frankly, if I'm gonna be wrong, I might as well be wrong about everything. Arizona, come through. Do it right. Like give me an 0 and six. Uh never listen to Matt. He is an idiot. Uh fuck you, Matt. <laughs> what a what a recap. <laughs> Yeah, you've had a brutal season. Uh, all of your storylines, your agendas, your narratives—they've washed away very quickly. Matt. And this, this, this is why narratives um, based off of pure, pure narrative and no stats are so important. Yeah, the witch, the witch got in my head, and um, <laughs> she called me boring, and I tried to fix it, and I couldn't do it, and never again. As never much as again. I find Greg boring, like at least he sticks to his guns. <laughs> I tried to be fun. I tried to be edgy, and I can't. So, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Uh, in the chat, people are saying uh, Avery knows ball, and Avery broke Matt. <laughs> Here's the worst part. The worst part is I was right. Like I was fucking right. <laughs> like fuck, fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this this week. Weird, weird week. Uh, this well, is the white male persecution that we've been talking about. <laughs> this is it. 
Oh, perfect. Can perfect no longer recap. be ignored. Thank you, Matthew Robertson. Perfect. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's talk about our lead game that you, I, I, that all you said was Dorian Thompson Robinson fucked you. Uh, yeah, our, our lead game. Let me start by saying, Greg, if you're out there, uh, I want you to know. Uh, I just have a couple words for you. Fuck you. <laughs> Uh, and Matt, fuck you. Uh, no, I already UCLA. said that. I already no, said that. Come no, up with no, an original take. I need take. to say it. You <laughs> need an original take, you dumb dumb. <laughs> UCLA beat the piss out of Utah, 42-32. to 32. Uh, Both of these offenses, extremely productive. Uh, Utah gained 479 yards to UCLA's 502. Uh, both got basically 200 yards on the ground. In the end, DTR, I think, cemented himself as the league's best Pac-12 quarterback. Another fuck you to Greg and Matt. He got 300 yards through the air to go along with five total touchdowns. Uh, Avery, you actually picked this game correctly, so you get to start us off this time. Let's start off on the UCLA side of things. Um, never a doubt. I'm just kidding. I I called UCLA fraudulent several times, and I would like to formally apologize to DTR, who I know reads my tweets and hates me. <laughs> um, you, I said before this game, if UCLA like beat Utah and did it confidently, then I would take back everything I said. I don't want to take it back, but I, I will. UCLA, great job. You looked really great out there despite having in my opinion, a bad defense. I don't, I think we all agree that their defense just isn't great, but you looked really good out there. Um, I really like your offense. I, I do think that DTR is the best quarterback in the conference right now. And that's something that's taken a lot of humility to say. Yeah. Credit so, to you on that. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't do that very often. <laughs> But yeah, UCLA looked really good. Um, Utah fans will try to tell you that Utah's offense is not the problem because they had so many yards and they scored so many points. UCLA's defense isn't good. Don't trick yourself into believing that Utah doesn't have offensive problems because if you watch Andy Ludwig call plays, you should be concerned about Utah. Um, Utah's defense is so much worse than I think most people thought it would be. I know Matt always thought they'd be mid, but again, Utah fans are telling me that despite losing Devin Lloyd, this this team was going to be better on defense, and they are actually pretty doo doo. So, not enough uh, not enough talking about UCLA. I told you start off on the UCLA side of things, and you <laughs> wanted to make this about Utah. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm just mad at Utah fans. Okay, I'll talk more about UCLA. Why are why are we surprised that Charbonnet and DTR, who like DTR, we knew is one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I think he's the best quarterback right now, and Charbonnet, who is the best running back in the conference. Why are we surprised that they did this? Why did people why did people not think this was going to happen? That's that's all I have to say is people didn't think that they would be able to beat Utah and um Greg and Matt picked Utah to win, which like come on guys. Come on. I think there's a lot to say about UCLA. I think number 1, uh that offense looks like they look like a fucking buzzsaw. That yeah. this uh, this UCLA offense looks uh, frankly like like in terms of production, maybe not in, not always in terms of style and scheme and th- things like that, but in terms of production and the kinds of uh, uh, production they get, look, it's looking like peak Oregon Chip Kelly at this point. Um, it's sort of like there was at Utah had no answer at all for what UCLA was doing. It was like it was through the air. Zach Charbonnet got nine yards per rush. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was. Throwing, he he had a completion percentage of seventy five percent, getting whatever he wanted. 
the receivers had a couple of drops still. It probably should have been uh, – this absolutely should have been uh, a bigger margin of victory for UCLA, not just because of the pick six at the end, but because of, there were a couple of key drops from UCLA receivers throughout the game. This was just like a masterclass in offense for UCLA. They made Utah look silly. There was even a point where Zach Charbonnet, I, this, I think this went way, way under the radar just because DTR looked so fucking incredible. Uh, there was a moment where Zach Charbonnet just juked uh, Clark Phillips III, Utah's best player, uh, and broke his ankles and left him in the dust. It was truly insane to watch uh, UCLA have the kind of game that they did. Um, it, I think they finished like their last five drives uh, were all touchdowns. And and aside from their first two opening drives where they punted, they, they got whatever they wanted. Um, they did whatever they wanted. They moved the field, moved down the field as much as they wanted. Uh, they gained 77% of their available yards and uh, had about 56, average 56 yards per drive. Um, and uh, on fewer plays, right? Like these were not just... These were just easy. It looked so easy for UCLA to just sort of like, it was an explosive play, 50, 60 yards that put them immediately on the other side of the field, uh, or it was uh, gashing them for like 9, 10 yards per play without any sort of resistance from from Utah. So incredible stuff from UCLA's offense. And then defensively, uh, you know, I, like I agree with Avery, UCLA's defense, not great. Um, but I also think Utah's offense, I, I like I know that y'all are down on Utah right now, but Utah's offense is good. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> Grow uh, up. No, I, I think no, no, no. This, is, this is just Utah trauma and you all are sad, but like Utah's offense is genuine. It's been genuinely good all season. It was not bad this game. I think there were some really questionable play calls. Um, Tavion Thomas was still getting most of whatever he wanted. How long not are we going to let him gaslight before I can cut him off? Um, and uh, and, God, and let then, him have this. And so uh, this UCLA. <laughs> and so I think UCLA just had a couple of key stops when they needed them, like just on one to two plays. Uh, and it kind of fucked up Utah uh, Utah's drive, just like one or two key plays that uh, threw things into a tizzy. So uh, and and just so you know, uh, in case you're about to do the Utah as a was had a bad offensive day, uh, they gained six point five yards per play, which is not great, but it's not bad either. Uh, they bad. gained seventy five percent of their available yards. They had nine yard uh, plays per drive. They had to work for everything, but they were moving the ball uh, for the most part. So uh, I think UCLA's defense. I I think I feel better. I think it, you'd be insane to think that to to not think better of ucla's defense after this cam rising was uncomfortable they put him in many uncomfortable situations um so i I don't know i i think ucla's offense is the best in the pac-12 and i actually think given the weakness of the defenses in the league this looks like a top four defense in the league um so i don't know okay i i know that y'all have a lot to get to but just Matt, you, you can say uh, just say two sentences about UCLA and then you can go on to sad posting I'll about say Utah. I'll more than two sentences about okay, UCLA. Okay. Uh, this long con by Chip Kelly that he has played over the last several years, um, elite stuff. They're going to make a movie about this. This is unbelievable. Elite sandbag. <laughs> um, absolutely incredible to just all of a sudden be like, oh, hey, watch this. I can coach. Um, God, unbelievable shit. He's I, back. So, <laughs> yeah, DTR was good. I unbelievably impressed with Zach Charbonnet in this game. Um, I don't know what happened between like the last time I watched him 
a week ago. And this week, I'm pretty sure he put on like 30 pounds of pure muscle. Uh, <laughs> he was absolutely mauling the Utah defense. The offensive line was doing well. The amount of times that I saw Utah defenders running away from the ball carrier, whether it was Kaz Allen, Jake Bobo after a catch, uh, Zach Charbonnet, DTR, like every single one of their plays had momentum moving forward, was in an incredibly advantageous situation. I don't think Utah made a single one-on-one open field tackle. Like this absolutely incredible performance out of this uh, UCLA offense. And defensively, they just came out and said, go ahead. Go ahead and go for 12 yard, twelve plays per drive. And if you can beat us that way, then we'll take it. But we're not going to let you get anything explosive. If you want to run the ball for eight yards to carry, we're good with that. But we don't think you're going to have the patience for it. And we'll come up with a big stop, or stop and get you off schedule. And then that'll be that. Like Defensively, the game plan was perfect. They did exactly and played exactly into what Utah's flaws have been all year. And they were fantastic. UCLA was so good in this game. Very, 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 very impressive showing by them. Yeah, it was a a stunning. I don't think any. I don't think any of us expected UCLA to. I think we expected sort. I think the range of possibilities was Utah blowout, Utah close win, UCLA close win. I don't know that we expected a comfortable UCLA win. Uh, That was uh, pretty stunning, and I think speaks to 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 some of. to the way that UCLA's offense looks right now. I mean, it's just like it's ridiculous. Um, it's it's truly insane. Okay, I'll give I'll give UCLA's defense credit because this is the second week in a row where they've played a ranked Pac-12 team who is considered to have like a decent if not great offense. Like wa- Washington's offense I thought was the best offense in the Pac-12 until they played UCLA. So, fine. I'll give credit where credit is due. I still think Utah's offense is like obviously regressed from where they were at at the end of last season, so despite bad. despite not losing any players. Like they lost Brant Keithy, but they were regressed before Brant Keithy was injured. So that's why I'm like they very lost Covey. not. They impressed. lost Britton Covey. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Let's pivot to Utah uh, because this is now this is their second loss of the season. Uh, I think a lot of people were pretty surprised that Utah looked the way that they did. We can start with Matt on this one. What's the what's the thing that most concerned you about Utah in this game? It's it's the explosive plays. It's just it's very simply the explosive plays. The defense is susceptible to them in a way that I don't think I've ever seen out of a Utah defense. Um, that is is very very concerning. The linebackers in front seven are just not good, and it puts defensive backs that are not that are undersized, that are not your elite five star talents, in positions where they are having to one on one tackle it, elite five star talents. And so this just it, it defensively there are concerns, but I, I really thought that that the defensive concerns were going to be overplayed by what we expected out of this offense. We expected them to take a step forward from where they were last year. Everybody's talking about how like this is the same Utah being in a similar position to where they were last year. It's not even close. It's not even remotely similar to where they were last year. Uh, they, their inability to generate anything outside of a nine yard pass to a wide receiver that looks remotely is exp- that looks remotely explosive is, is very simply a fatal flaw. Um, Utah had a 5% explosive play rate in this game. That is good for the 15th percentile. Um, UCLA, as good as they looked, like didn't even have that high of an explosive play rate. Theirs was 11%. That's 77th percentile. That's obviously good, but like 
you're talking three quarters of the way and very much a top 30 level is, is all that they were at. And it was such a stark difference with how much UCLA was able to expand the field and able to actually show something. This is why in the Florida game, this is why in, you know, the following San Diego state games, we were talking about how like Utah's inability and Utah's Brant Keithy problem and completely building this offense around a tight end that works from five to 15 yards is never going to work. And as Brant Keithy has gone out and he's an elite talent and he's great and that's awesome, but they've seemed to just try to continue and try to plug the holes and continue to run the same offense. And it's very simply not working. Um, that's great that you can run the ball. That's great that you can, that you're good for a, an eight yard pass up the seam to a tight end who is bracketed like that's great. And, and cam rising is doing a lot with it, with a scenario where I do not think that he or this offense is being set up for success in any way in the past game. And it's very, very frustrating to watch considering what we saw out of this team last year. And the fact that they brought back everyone, they are, they were missing a really fast little white guy and that (laughs) should have been pretty easy to replace. And they've completely flipped everything where they're completely ignoring anything on the edges, completely ignoring getting athletes in space and expecting cam rising to just make magic every time. It's very, very frustrating to watch considering where, what we thought this team would do moving forward. Avery, Matt just talked about both the, the, the Utah defense and the Utah offense being wildly disappointing. Which one sticks out for you in terms of like, you know, is most disappointing to you one that you were most shocked to, to see play the way that they did. Probably the defense. I don't know. I guess I just, they had the pick six, but I expected more from Utah's defense. I feel like, they're both disappointing. They're both disappointing to me. It's also hard because I want to give credit where credit's due. And UCLA played UCLA played a really great game, and UCLA's offense is very good. So hard to like be super critical of Utah's defense when they are playing what could be the best offense in the conference. But how Zach Charbonnet treated Utah's um, front seven was like kind of embarrassing. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. But nine yards per carry on um, a front seven that is like missing Devin Lloyd. But there's no reason Utah's defensive line should be this bad. Like they've they've had a ton of experience playing together. They've they're young. They're still young, but they're not. It's just embarrassing from a Utah program that turns out these good defensive lines every single year. Like what is happening with them? Yeah. It was it was uh it was also surprising that they were uh, Utah was blitzing the shit out of uh try, trying to get at DTR. It felt mm-hmm. like every time he st- dropped back, he was Utah was sending six guys. First of all, um, David Woods said this on Twitter. That Utah was thinking just like many of y- y'all's fan bases, uh, y- y'all's fans in that fan base. They thought DTR was 2019 DTR. <laughs> Like they, it was like they had just, they were just like, yeah, "Yeah, we're gonna like pressure the shit out of him and force him to make very dumb DTR mistakes. Newsflash: He doesn't really do that anymore. Hasn't done it in two years. I hope Utah fans finally realize that this is not the same DTR. Number one. Um, Number two, I also, I also think that a lot of the sort of defensive woes came from the sort of push that UCLA is making up front. Like I, I I was much more impressed with their offensive line than I think I ever have been. 
Utah was uh, UCLA was picking up the the blitzes and it was pretty surprising. I feel like Utah when they send guys, uh, they're gonna get pressure and they're gonna make players uncomfortable. Uh, I will say DTR did not. What they did do well is DTR didn't sort of gash them on the ground. That's any solace. Uh, they certainly did not let DTR have any like game breaking runs himself. Uh, instead, they just sort of had to settle with letting him pick them off one by one in the in the pass game, but. Um, no, I mean, I think that's true. I, I think you all are, are still a little, I'm going to hear, I want to hear from you, Matt, because I still think Utah's offense is, is, was fine. This game. It was not the reason they lost this game. And I thought it was fine. I don't think it was as good as it has been or as good as it could be. But like the, the analytics say it was good. I watching that game, Utah was getting positive plays on 80% of those snaps. I mean, you, you tell me like, what did you why are you so down on UCLA's? I knew you said a little bit about this, but why are you so down on this particular performance? I so I'm definitely making my entire personality now about explosive play rate. <laughs> okay. The and like <laughs> it, seriously, like Bill Connolly says this. Um, most college football people will say this. Like more than turnover rate and like turnover uh, disparity in a game. If you want to look at who won a game, look at the explosive play rate like mm. that, especially in college football where you do not have elite talent and you do not have elite levels of execution, being able to get explosive plays will win you football games and lose you football games appropriate, like reasonably. And when you look at this game, like I just, I, I get that Utah's defense was a concern and, and was bad. And I think like there's a game script here where UCLA still puts up 42 points. And I think Utah can win this game. Like, I, I think that if we genuinely expected and got what we expected out of Utah and UCLA coming into this season, I think this is a very reasonable and fun, like, 45-42 game with either team winning, and you walk out of it being like, yeah, these are two really fun teams in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is so much better this year. Um, the A lot of this has to do with what you expected out of these two units. I do think that Utah's front seven is disappointing. I definitely want to come back to like a, a warning of that, of the things that you said, but offensively this team's incredible lack of ability to generate anything explosive specifically out of the passing game is, is horrific. It is, it is so bad. It is far worse than we ever saw in 2019. And we saw what kind of fatal flaw that was for that team. Yeah. Utah's got uh, a lot of shit to figure out right now. I was trying like to look at the, Mm-hmm. Like you talk, you look at like the USC right now, USC's defense, I think we can universally say is capital N not good. And the reason they're doing fine is because they don't give up explosive plays. That That's the reason that they're still winning these games. And that's the reason that we're sitting here kind of looking and being like, they're not good, but like, they're still going to keep winning these games. And all they're doing is saying, Hey, if you can drive and if you can put together a 14, a 12, 14 play drive and score on us. That we're not, I mean, great, like good job, but we are counting on you to make the mistakes. And I think Utah came into this season thinking that they would get an elevated cam rising that could run a 14 play drive without making a mistake. And it's just not happening. And it, it, it is unrealistic to expect that to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and about the explosive plays here, uh, per beta rank, UCLA ranks 11th in the country, third in the Pac-12 in, um, in explosive uh, play rank. Um, so, okay, any other thoughts about either UCLA or Utah before we move on to talk about some of these other games? Yeah, I want to give like a very, very like solemn warning to people that they, because 
everybody has it in their mind that like Utah is always going to have a good front seven, always going to have a good defensive line. It's been true mostly for a while. It absolutely has. And I'm not like, it is not poorly founded that thought with that being said, like this defensive line is not good. This front seven is Mm -hmm. not good. The linebackers are not good. (laughs) They're incredibly inexperienced and are just getting caught in reads and caught over. Like it's, it's a really, really poor performance out of the linebacker room this year. And the offensive, there the defensive line is fairly undersized and slow at the same time. It's really, really weird. So like, UCLA did a great job. Um, Do not be fooled by like Oregon State's offensive line. Oregon State cooked this Utah defense until they didn't even have to try to pretend that they were defending the pass and that they had to be had to have any fear in that. Do not be fooled by the fact that Utah's going to come out against USC and is going to put a lot of pressure on Caleb Williams and the defense is going to look good again. Don't be fooled by that. Like, this is not a good defensive line. This is not a good defensive front seven. Fully expect Oregon, fully expect Washington to look really good against this. I, Utah doesn't play Washington, but like, fully expect some of these teams to continue to beat up this front seven. Yeah. Tough stuff. Uh, I uh, real quick, I wanted to point out. Um, I was looking at some of the explosive uh, explosiveness stats. Utah is number twenty eight in explosive plays offensively in the country, which is probably not good considering where everyone else in the Pac twelve is. But UCLA did not know this, and probably is actually. Uh, you know, this gets talked about. UCLA had a ma- like a like such a huge commitment to bend don't break in this game. They were willing to let Utah gash them for like nine plays per drive and you know 10 first downs per drive and then sort of give up nothing in the end uh ucla is the best uh defensive team in the pac-12 at limiting explosive plays per beta rank uh 14th in the country in in defensive explosiveness so i wonder if part of utah's lack of explosive plays wasn't that too um so uh real real quick one question that i have for each of you if you can answer this in like one or two sentences is utah do you have confidence that utah is going to figure it out avery you start do you have Utah that confidence that Utah is going to figure it out and compete for the Pac-12 title? I guess it's hard because it's how you define compete. <laughs> I think they'll be in there till the end just because I don't see this Utah team going on to lose four games. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get any better. Okay. I think they're going to cruise at this level. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I don't know what figure out figure it out means. Like, I think they will continue to beat the bad teams. Um I think they're going to be competitive against USC just because of how the matchups lie and the way that USC plays. And but it's I think, an SLC. Yeah, and it's at home. I don't think they have a prayer against Oregon. I think Oregon's going to like make them look so bad. I think figure it out means what happened last year where they started the season really poorly with two losses against BYU and San Diego State. And then they even lost Oregon State, but they beat every other team and went to the Pac-12 championship. I don't think they're going to beat Oregon they might not lose. They not, might not beat USC. Yeah, I just I hate that comparison so much. Like the Pac-12 generally has gotten so much better, um, and you don't have the first team Pac-12 quarterback sitting on the bench, and you don't have the Pac-12 Player of the Year captaining your defense. Like I, they also I, have to play at Pullman. Yeah, there are so many problems with this team, and even the even like you look at the games last year, like they were in a fight in Tucson. Like they don't beat this Arizona team playing like they did last year. That that's that's a win for Arizona in the same situation. So like you look at that Wazoo game, you look at having to go to Oregon, it, that that feels like two sure losses right now. Yeah. yeah. 
and you look at the explosive plays, like if Arizona comes to Utah and just out explosives them, like I'm not certain Utah beats Arizona right now. Lots to think about. I think Arizona doesn't look great, but we'll we'll get we'll get to them. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, USC Washington State. Avery, you want to recap this one for us? Okay, so across town from the Utah-UCLA game, USC hosted the Chaos Cougs. USC won 30-14. Wazi started pretty slow, punted twice, and then USC went up 10-0. Wazoo did turn around and score two touchdowns and held USC to two consecutive three-and-outs. Wazoo genuinely looked like they might start beating the shit out of USC at this point, but USC remembered that they are talented and scored a touchdown going into halftime up three. Wazoo came out of halftime really slow offensively. They weren't. They didn't score the rest of the game. Uh, USC went on to score a touchdown and two field goals. It's funny though because Cam Ward um, and Caleb Williams finished the games with very similar stat lines. Cam Ward had 172 yards with two touchdowns and no interceptions, while Caleb Williams had 188 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. Washington State ended up holding USC to 369 total yards, which is USC's second lowest yard total this season, and only 12 more yards than what Oregon State held them to. Do you have any thoughts on this game, Carlos? Yeah, I, um, I, I, first of all, USC's defense, uh, we, I get it. Uh, Washington State kind of struggles offensively sometimes, but we got to start talking about them as not being basement level. Like, they're, they're, they might be just okay, and that it would would be a huge improvement over what we've seen so far. That's one. And then number two, uh, USC found figured out that they should just run the fucking ball all the time. Uh, Travis Dye had 28 attempts uh, for 149 yards and a touchdown. They can get whatever they want uh, in the run game against most teams, I think, especially in the Pac-12, especially against how um, the running defenses have looked. We've been talking about Lincoln Riley sort of leaning way too heavily on Caleb Williams for a couple weeks now, really, since the Oregon State game. Uh, he did not do that. 28 attempts for Travis Dye to 29 passing attempts for Caleb Williams um, to go along with, you know, a, a rushing attempt from a couple rushing attempts from Malik Brown, a rushing attempt from Terrell Bynum, a rushing attempt from Jordan Addison. This is a much more run-heavy offense from Lincoln Riley and from USC. So uh, that's dangerous. That's scary. If they're going to figure out, hey, we can actually get whatever we want on the ground, uh, it's going to it's going to matter a lot. Um, but uh, Caleb Williams, I, very elusive. Like I, I still think he's he's a a very good quarterback. But sometimes I watch him and I'm like, I, I, he he just doesn't. Um, he he's not as good as I thought he might be coming into the season, and certainly not as good as I think he was hyped to be coming into uh, this season. Still very good. Um, obviously, he has a he has a somewhat low complete, not somewhat, pretty low completion rate, fifteen for twenty nine. But a lot of that is because that uh, a lot of USC's offenses we're just gonna bomb it downfield. Like Jordan Addison, just like throw it down to him. He's down there somewhere. And when you do that, you're gonna like those passes are much harder to complete. They're not really giving him a ton of easy passes. Whereas like you know watching like like a DTR or even a Cam Rising in the UCLA Utah game, uh, just here's a we're gonna draw some stuff up for you to throw down the middle of the field 10 15 yards and just do that over and over again uh caleb williams is being asked to just launch it um like it feels like half the time that he's throwing uh which then puts usc behind the sticks and then sort of is like well we should go back to the run game because that that's gonna get you your five six yards every single play so i am uh i i think this is uh this game is encouraging for usc uh and 
Washington State, on the other hand, I felt more impressed by them. Uh, you know, they got shut out in the second half. I think USC's defense is starting to figure some stuff out. They tend to do much better in second halves than they do in first halves, which probably says something about um, Alex Grinch and his ability to make adjustments. I get it. People fucking hate him, but, you know, maybe that's that's something. Um, but Washington State's defense is for real. It really is probably the best in the Pac-12. They did limit uh, USC, you, to your point, Avery, to under 400 yards, limited Caleb Williams pretty uh pretty drastically uh, all things considered so i don't know yeah washington state wasn't like super super competitive but they were pretty competitive uh but i felt kind of better about them so um i don't know matt what do you think uh fuck you all i was right um wazi <laughs> should have won this game um i'm <laughs> like oh the penalty yeah, yeah yes yeah, go okay. ahead say it. i i really like eight point swing and penalty epa and that's not even to like there's a lot of things that don't even go into that um wazoo was the pass rush was all over caleb williams all game and like the holds in this game were unbelievably blatant i i don't understand why the pac-12 and the pac-12 refs are okay with usc being in the title game but what the fuck ever um get that playoff money i guess that's fine i don't like this the the way that this game started and the way that the first half of this game went everything about it felt like wazoo was in a great place and was going to be able to continue to win um and continue to move forward usc just did a great job in the second half i don't think wazoo had a single explosive play in the second half that was unbelievable unbelievable by them and wazoo's offensive line just disappeared um they decided they did not want to block anymore um i USC generated five sacks uh, is really, really poor showing from the offensive line. I, all that being said, yeah, this, it is, it is time to have a conversation about this USC offense. Um, I think there are significant flaws and concerns about the way that this thing is being ran. I do not think, I think that we are finally seeing what we expected. It's been very weird how this USC offense has kind of um, been the reverse of what we thought it would be, where it would start. We thought that it would start poorly and and figure it out by the end of the season. They came out of the shoots absolutely gunning and are finally starting to show some of the issues that I think we expected at this time of the year. Um, and so it, I, I think that there's a conversation to be had there. But Wazi was in this game. Like this score looks poor. The second half of it, it definitely looks like USC just sat on them. USC's ability to run the ball and Travis die absolutely sealed this game away. But this was a close game. And like Cam Ward was the better quarterback in this game. I'm very comfortable saying that. Okay, you can say you're right all you want, but I am the one. I'm the one that preseason was all over this Wazoo team. <laughs> I am the one that said that they would be good. And I agree with Carlos. USC's defense did really great in this game. Like, I genuinely feel so much better about USC's defense after this game. Um, Cam Ward can cook. Cam Ward can just tear apart in a defense. And I expected him to do that against USC. And they um, schemed it and made him really uncomfortable. And... You know, the penalties kind of took any spark away from Wazoo, which was super frustrating because I would have loved if Wazoo won, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, we knew Wazoo's offensive line was bad. I think it showed a lot in this game. I don't think any less of Wazoo's offense, even though they didn't have like an amazing game just because they're on the road at USC. USC's defense seems to be figuring it out. 
I feel good. I feel good about Wazoo right now. I, I would say Wazoo's wide receivers might have been the most disappointing thing in this game. Like several critical drops yeah. Yeah. out of their wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a talent thing. I think that comes down to a talent thing because they clearly just do not have any talent there. Uh, quick quick note here from Zach. He said, when USC runs the ball a lot, takes some pressure off the uh, O-line, defense has to honor the run and not get a great pass rush. It's true, uh, especially especially you know before this game when USC was going away from the run. It felt like they could just send people at like Caleb Williams. And Caleb, Caleb Williams is like... He hasn't he hasn't looked as good as we thought, but he's still a great quarterback, and he he's a wizard. Uh, he's like a magician sometimes in the pocket, just really hard to make contact with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, other teams just struggle. It's it's magnificent to watch him sort of uh, evade any sort of any sort of contact. It's it's insane. Um, about Cam Ward, uh, I I certainly think he needs help, um, and and he is uh, extremely fun to watch. But I'm not convinced that he's. Uh, he's great. Um, it's because he has a bad O line. His offensive under, line is horrific. Under talented receivers, yeah. Like every, considering what he's been doing with that, I think it's very impressive. I, I think I think it's true that he certainly needs a lot of help. Um, I also think he just makes some very bizarre decisions sometimes. Uh, but but you're right. I think a lot of maybe a lot of that it has to do more with his offensive line just collapsing. And and it's not yeah. just that it's not just that they were bad this game. They've been bad all year long they have never been good they've never been able to keep cam ward upright this is we've been talking about this since like the idaho game yeah uh, that <laughs> offensive line is brutal uh i i and we talked with this one we did talk about preseason that and this was why i thought maybe i i was wrong on this one i thought washington state was gonna be bad like three and nine four and eight maybe five and seven bad um, and the reason why was because the offensive line had no one coming back. Uh, what they were going to figure out and do uh, on their offensive line was always a question mark. And buddy, it is oh, oh, it is not a question mark. We know definitively it is bad. I'm not sure how you fix that. Um, they're doing a good job of getting the ball out of Cam Ward's hands pretty quickly, but um, you know, th- it's just they're not. They're going to have to play some good pass rushes, I think, in this conference. They're going to have to play Washington, but it's not. It's not great right now. I agree that Cam Ward has made some dumb decisions, but in this game, it wasn't as bad. He didn't throw any picks, and it was kind of annoying because the announcers, every fucking time he threw the ball away, they're like, it's just really great to see Cam Ward learning that he's just got to throw the ball away. Great decision by Cam <laughs> Ward, because that like has been an issue. Like The interceptions he's thrown, it's because he tries to make a play when he should just get rid of the ball. But it was every fucking time he threw the ball out of bounds, it's like, you know, you just he's he's making the good decision there to just get it out. <laughs> and that was so annoying. Yeah. It's it was uh it was I mean that's just I mean I think that's a testament to how Camor tries to uh bite off a little bit more than he can chew sometimes. I, yeah. I he certainly he is certainly a very fun quarterback to watch. A lot honestly, I kind of put him in the same tier as Jaden Delora. Maybe not as like high variance like on both ends, but uh like just just his ability to like he had that one play where he was like dead to rights like three times uh and managed to like scramble uh step up somehow in a weird whatever a pocket if you want to call it that uh and like pitch it seven yards upfield uh to receiver and it like barely i don't actually think they they counted as a completed pass but it was it was close um things like that you know what? I'm ready to say that if if Cam Ward was at Arizona and had the receivers and talent that Arizona has, he would be fucking 
fucking shit up at Arizona. Just you think he's better than Jaden Delora? Oh, 100% better than Jaden Delora. Arizona, Arizona has a better offensive line, way better targets than what Washington State is working with. And Jaden Delora is the reason that they lose games. <laughs> it is his fault and their defense. But like he he could do so much more than what Jaden Delora is doing. I wish he had more talented receivers. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here. I want to ask this question before we move on to the rest of our games. Uh, our buddy Flock at Flock, uh, the Flock is hot. Uh, he said, I'd love to hear a serious conversation about which LA team has a better offense. If you have questions yourself, by the way, you can always DM any of us or at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. You can DM me at Equity Bro and you can DM Grapes at, at Brave Grapes. You can DM Matt at No Pit Stops, et cetera, et cetera. But Flock wants to know uh, which, which te- LA team has the better offense. I'm curious. Matt, you start us off. USC, UCLA, here they are. Which team right now do you think has a better offense? If we are to believe that Chip Kelly has remembered how to coach and has decided that like this is the year he actually wants to do his job, I think it's UCLA running away. Um, their balance and their consistency and ability to attack you in multiple ways. And frankly, they're... Um, I almost kind of threw up in my mouth about to say this. Uh, reliability in, in DTR. <laughs> um, just... It, very smart decisions doesn't try to do too much i i think it's ucla by like a comfortable margin grapes what about you yeah i think it's ucla um usc hasn't i thought usc's offense was godlike um but that's because they were playing the likes of rice um (laughs) ucla's just looked so much better over the course of conference play i've been really impressed with dtr he's like I said earlier, playing like the best quarterback in the conference. So, and Chip Kelly, uh, offensive mastermind, back back for more. He's been reti- he's been like enjoying his retirement in LA, but he decided he wants to coach again. So that's been fun. <laughs> and and Jake Bobo's emergence, like, has oh, been yeah. a big deal for for their balance, and they act, they have a legitimate threat at the wideout position. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the. Analytics say that USC has a better offense in most in most phases. Um, but when you watch these two teams, I think it's pretty clearly UCLA. I hope I'm not being a homer when I say that. But um, USC, I'll say this: USC's offense feels like it has a higher ceiling, just because like UCLA does not have an, a receiver as good as Jordan Addison or uh, or. Um, as good as um, why am I forgetting some of the other receivers? Uh, as good as a Mario Williams or as good as a um a Terrell Bynum. Like I like I think all three of those receivers. Maybe Jake Bobo might start getting in the third. Like he might be the third best receiver on USC. So in some ways that makes it uh a little bit different. But Zach Charbonnet is, has is the better running back in this. Uh, oh yeah, of by these far. two offenses. Uh, Travis Dye's great. Love Travis Dye. Uh, but. Zach Charbonnet is 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 better. He's more physical. He's faster at this point. Dorian Thompson Robinson and Caleb Williams always felt pretty similar to me in terms of their capabilities, but like Dorian Thompson Robinson's on a, another fucking level right now. Um, I know USC fans are like, hey, Caleb Williams, he's the best quarterback in the league, and certainly he has a, a bit he has a bit more history behind it, um, and a bit more sort of like you a bit more of a reputation, and and that matters for something. But this season, Dorian Thompson Robinson's 
is blowing the shit out of Caleb Williams. And it's not close uh, by passer rating, by completion rating. Um, the only thing Caleb Williams has on DTR is uh, interceptions, and it's like one to three, but it's a little bit different when DTR's got 15 touchdowns and is uh, singing it the way that he is right now and and is doing what he's doing on the ground, which is uh, Caleb Williams is a great runner, but is not doing what DTR is right now. So it feels to me like it's UCLA. Um, and and significant often O-line advantage for UCLA as well. Yes. And like you talk mm-hmm. about like how um, Caleb Williams definitely has like this pedigree that is and is very hyped from a talent perspective dtr has played so much football like he has played so much football that i mean obviously there's the 2019 like concerns but otherwise i mean he's he's got a lot of experience in the bag and and is showing it and he he himself dtr he himself not that much less talented than caleb williams maybe caleb williams is a more accurate downfield thrower but DTR is more athletic than Caleb Williams. Uh, I think DTR has made better decisions than Caleb Williams. I, I don't know. I think I really hope that these two teams, uh, at least for from the perspective of like a conference person, maybe this is maybe maybe actually everyone in the Pac-12 would love for these two teams to be absolutely dog shit. Um, but I would love if these two teams figured figured out how to get to like eleven and one or like ten and one or uh, nine and two by the time they play each other. Um, and then the rivalry game is like some massive, you know, massive event. <laughs> Figure their shit out just in time to fuck off to the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> we saw those tweets going around. Such horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks uh, just, for everything that you've done for this conference. Fuck you. Oh, so, so, so funny. All right. Let's talk about Washington ASU. Um, Matt, you watched some of this game. Why don't you give us a, a bit of a recap for this one? Yeah, Tempe is a black hole, y'all. This is <laughs> I don't the the level to which Washington just turned into a completely different team. UCLA absolutely broke them. Um this game started in the first half with ASU getting out to a 24 to 10 lead yeah. after probably the most cursed interception I've ever seen in my entire life. Um Michael Penix throws the ball and it goes off of the defensive lineman's helmet. <laughs> to bounce up no less than 30 feet in the air to like perfectly hit the defensive back in stride in the flat pick six nobody within 10 yards of him like if this ball glances off the helmet in a slightly different manner and only goes 29 feet in the air maybe it's intercepted on a dive or something like that like i this game started to feel weird at that point and then all of a sudden he throws that interception it was like oh no, Arizona State is absolutely going to run away with this thing. This game is absolutely cursed. Um, Washington goes down and scores a touchdown, makes it 24-17 at half, and then they just go back and forth in the second in, in the second half. Um, ASU eventually pulls it out, winning 45-38 uh, after a scoring a game-winning touchdown in the fourth quarter, and then defense comes up big and gets two fourth down stops. Uh, against Washington. So it was, this was a weird game. I don't think that anybody expected it in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I just, I I don't even know what to take away from it. Um, Emory Jones went out in this game, and Arizona State didn't skip a single beat offensively. Nope. They looked better. Um, they looked better. The, Trent the, Burgett. Their backup, their backup quarterback, Borgett, is, <laughs> I'm ready to say it, better than Emory Jones. 
Yeah. Faggot. Why did they not start him? And he, he was going he's to start been... before Emory Jones transferred to Arizona State too. Like he was in line to start. And he was not bad as a backup behind Jaden Daniels uh, the past couple of years. They should have started Trent Burgett. That's the thing. I I disagree. I think it has a lot more to do with the wide receiver talent, and I think that you're okay. just seeing how bad the defensive backs for Washington are. <laughs> Maybe. Because yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I do think I completely agree that this was a way better and more balanced offense with actually being able to throw the ball. I just think that they're well aware of the fact that against a not bottom three defense in the conference, they're not going to be able to throw the ball, and so you need to run the triple. So like <laughs> I don't I don't think they're wrong in it. I think it's more of a wide receiver issue. But yeah, he looked great. I know you say that nobody saw this coming, but we should have seen this coming. Washington I hasn't won y'all. in Tempe since 2001. I okay, I let my hatred of ASU get to me. Like I, I will fully admit, I was like manifesting an ASU loss because I really want them wanted them to go one in eleven. But like I should have known better. I should have known better. Avery, we were talking about them losing to potentially losing to Colorado. What do you mean? I know. I, but I never talked. It's okay, such a hold curse on. game. I never fucking talked about ASU losing to Colorado. Greg has always talked about ASU having residual talent, and we've been talking about for weeks that Washington is not one in Tempe since the TSA was founded. Like we, that used is used to be able to walk in. Yeah, you used to be able to walk in. <laughs> That's the last time Washington won in Tempe. Okay, um, ask someone who so frequently picks football games for the stupidest fucking reasons not looking at stats at all like i should have picked arizona state i just hate them so much i wanted them to go one and 11 but you know what two and 10 is still still on track here i think i i am i'm i think asu uh with the interim coach with this win maybe and with a, a quarterback that i think is going to be better than Emory Jones I would not be shocked if they're four and eight five and seven like I think they're gonna get up a win they have a better chance of getting bowl eligibility than Arizona right now their oh. schedule works out better for them <laughs> and Trent Burgett does not he does not look bad but we have I don't. to remember that UW's defense been, has been shit is it worse is it is it worse than Eastern Michigan? I'm not convinced it's worse <laughs> than Eastern Michigan. <laughs> no, like, probably not. Yeah, that's that I, I think it's genuine improvement, probably. Uh very interesting. I, I think uh, we talked a little bit about Arizona State. Let's talk really, really quickly about Washington now. Two games in a row they lose. They're in both games, offense uh looked not horrible, not as good as it did early on, but uh, but got burned defensively again for the second time in a row. This time against a worse team. This time also on the road. Uh, Matt, we can start with you. As uh, Washington, uh, how f- Washington's a little fraudulent. I think we can all agree on that. I think we all thought that they were going to be a top three, top five Pac-12 contender. They were going to compete for a Pac-12 title much earlier than we thought they would. Now that's pretty clearly not the case, but how how bad do you think this Washington team is? Um, I Is Penix hurt? Have we heard any rumblings about that? Because oh, yeah. he has gone a complete 180 from what we saw in the first three weeks of the season with like how accurate he was. There is a lot of the same throws that they were making with incredible accuracy that are just not happening. I don't know. Isn't his completion percentage pretty comparable? He hasn't had a good completion percentage at all this season. Yeah, but like so many of those throws are there. It's just different to see. Like there was a lot of the incompletions that they were making where it was like that was a perfect throw and the defender made a good play. And now he's just 
missing. So like, I know he went down in the game and had like that moment where he lost his, he like got the wind knocked out of him when he got sandwiched. But otherwise like there is, his throwing is so different than what we saw at the beginning of the season that all of a sudden having a dog shit defense, like looks like it matters because they are not going to be able to consistently put up 50 points a game. And so, yeah, I, it's hard because that we've gone on such a roller coaster with them. I truly think that they are right back down to where we expected them to be record wise and team wise. I don't, I think that they are a very middle of the pack team where they could be anywhere from fourth to ninth in the conference. I picked them to go seven and five preseason. And I think I'm right about that too. I'm not convinced that it's Penix. That is uh that's a little bit broken here. I, I, I think, I think for the first time, uh, all season, these past two weeks, Washington's offensive line has been tested. Um, I think Washington's offensive line has not looked great. Uh, and Michael Penix is not a, a runner by any means. He's not the kind of guy who's going to like scramble. He's not a Cam Ward. He's not like a Cam Rising. He's not a DTR. Like I, he's not. He, he's just kind of a, a little bit of a statue back there. And so he needs some time. Um, he needs to be able to to be, scan the field and survey the field. He needs to time to go through his progressions. The timing of the play needs to all work out. Uh, and if it's not, I think things start to break down, and I think he looks bet- less less good than he has. So I, I I tend to blame these things on the offensive line. Now, of course, this is why you have this is why in college football it's always better to have a, a quarterback who's who can run because. As we know in college football, you cannot expect shit to go perfectly the vast majority of the time. You can't expect your off- your offensive line to be competent for very long stretches. But uh, it, it's really hurting them right now, and I and I just don't think that it's entirely Penix's fault, right? That um that that he looks as bad, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's on Penix. I think it has to do with him being forced to carry his team because their defense is so bad, like needing to outscore everyone. And also the offensive line has just gotten worse as the season's gone on. Uh, our buddy, Matty Schwaz, uh, real quick, a comment from, from him. He said, UW hasn't been able to respond. They didn't have any real resist- resistance in the first four weeks. And it shows coordinators also freak out when they meet resistance. It's obvious in the play calling. The entire team becomes extremely uncomfortable and tries to do too much. Yeah. Well, and I think that like, it- I think that that's a really good point as far as like the freak out when they need it and, and like the resistance and the fact that the offense or the defense is falling behind and is creating a situation where they do need the offense to carry. I think that this is kind of part of what we were talking about with Penix where like the second that they are getting into those more high pressure, high leverage situations, he is not as accurate. He is not showing to be as resilient and being as able to carry the team a la a cam rising or a, uh, DTR, you know, like the, maybe Caleb Williams. I don't even think we've seen that much out of him in that regard. And so, like, I do think that there are aspects of that that when you look at your at your college quarterbacks and your college offenses, that being able to respond to that sort of thing, it it is not to say that they are the problem by any means, but it is a pretty significant hallmark of being able to step up to the next level. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Washington ASU before we before we move on here? We should probably move on. We're taking so fucking long. <laughs> I know, I know. Let's let's do it. Yeah, and you're fucking yawning there in the background. You're just like, <laughs> I woke up so early. <laughs> it's ten. It was it's eleven Pacific right now. Um, all right. Uh, so let's let's very quickly talk about uh, these last two games. Let's start with Oregon State Stanford. Matt, recap this fucking <laughs> boring and then insane game for us. 
I don't. So I, the only way that I want to talk about this game is in the context of our picks, because obviously up to this point in the, in the week, I was one and four going into this game. Uh, but I had picked Stanford while everybody else had picked Oregon State had Stanford won the game, you know, like it was looking like they were going to for 59 minutes of this football game. I would have come in where I would have been tied with Carlos and one point behind a tied Avery and Greg instead. I don't, I, I see, I don't even know how to explain what the fuck happened in this play. Like, it was vibes. Stanford goes up <laughs> by a, st- first of all, okay, 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Oregon State didn't even kick extra points on their last two <laughs> touchdowns because their <laughs> long snapper was hurt and they couldn't, they didn't have a backup long snapper. <laughs> they could not kick a field goal. David Shaw, why are you trying to go up by more than a field goal? Like, go for it on fourth down and ice the game away. Oregon State has already shown you that they're not going to kick the ball. So don't <laughs> worry about put, like about putting it out of reach of a field goal. They're not going to. Uh, you expect David Shaw? You expect David Shaw to think about these things? Like that alone that that's all I needed to see to be like, yep, I, something weird is going to happen. And then all of a sudden you come out here and it's like the most insane play, like Minnesota miracle 2.0, but like somehow way harder and way more <laughs> insane. Like, cause that's reasonable. That's a reasonable expectation to expect in a PAC 12 football game. Like what the hell? I don't even know how to describe what happened. Let's um, let's try it. Let's try. It. Uh, Stanford controlled the game. Stanford was clearly the better team in this game. Oregon State couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, when Stanford's offense looks good, you know you've got a problem. Like it was, it was bad. There, it seemed like there was no hope for Oregon State. The Oregon State went for it for two at like the end of the four. I don't even know, Carlos. Do you have like the breakdown in front of you? Because I. <laughs> Yeah, so Stanford goes up 24 to 10 in the third quarter. Oregon State comes back and scores a touchdown. There's three, what, three minutes to go in the third quarter when they get the ball. They score this touchdown with 1450 left in the fourth quarter to go to 24 to 16, and they go for two. Like the dumbest, weirdest, like this math doesn't line up. There's no reason to go and for at two. At this point, we didn't know the long snapper was injured. So we are all just like really fucking confused. Yeah, we're like, what are they doing? They're just trying to like win the game and they think they're only going to get one more like possession out of this thing, I guess. Like really, really weird. And again, this is at the beginning of the fourth quarter. You have all day. Then we go punt, punt, punt. And then Oregon State scores a touchdown on a like, wasn't it a big play out of, um, yeah, it was a 43-yard run out of Damian Martinez with yeah. five minutes and 45 seconds left to go in the fourth. Again, down by two, goes for two again and misses it again. So it's a two-point game. And Stanford goes on a five-minute drive and kicks a goddamn field goal with 58 seconds left on a fourth and eight after a sack on third and four. I just... Oh my gosh, made no sense as far as how they were playing that. Like run the ball in third and fourth year in fourth down territory. And like there there's no reason for you to do that. And then and then be let with less than a minute to go. Two plays, three plays, 56 yard pass. They go for two again, because you know, that's what they're doing now. It failed again. Over but, three on third down conversion. Because they won the game. 
And then Stanford throws a pick. I, oh my gosh. Unbelievable. It made, it made no sense. It was incredible. Um, let's talk. Let's talk. We didn't even, we haven't even gotten to the actual game winning, <laughs> the game winning play, uh, driving Oregon state, uh, not is, driving, not driving, not driving. <laughs> no, uh, what I, do Oregon state was, uh, playing football at the, the final <laughs> minute of this game with 58 seconds left. Ben Gilbranson, uh, not not great, uh, not great in this game. Just like not great generally. Oregon State has a quarterback problem, but he, he's also uh, a freshman. So it's like, also, why yeah, isn't Tristan sure. Gebbio playing? I don't understand yeah, anything. Tristan Gebbio should be playing, but but uh, Ben Gilbranson is tasked with trying to lead Oregon State for a game-winning touchdown drive, and uh, he. <laughs> He throws the game-winning touchdown pass, but like directly at a Stanford defensive back's back. There was two defensive backs. He was double covered. Threw it directly at one of their backs, and <laughs> uh, Trishawn Harrison plucked it from behind, like <laughs> went over, like did some Stanford receivership, but like with a way worse thrown ball, like plucked it over his back and, and way more athletically. It was yeah, incredible. way more athletically. Stanford receivers too. <laughs> yeah, way more athletically. Uh, and the the Stanford defensive back, if you watch that clip, uh, is like looking around for like where the ball is and realizes Trishawn Harrison has it and he's gone and he scores a touchdown. There's like 15 seconds left and the game's over. Um, a truly that I was posting this on Twitter. It's the worst game winning touchdown pass I have ever seen. That's got to be the worst game winning touchdown pass. Amazing of all catch. Time. Impressive catch. Incredibly impressive catch. Um, yeah. I miss Chance Nolan, honestly. <laughs> I hope he's yeah. okay. I really miss him. So instead of the two points for the upset win and right just in the thick of it, I am now four points behind halfway through the season. I don't know ball. Never listen to that. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about Arizona just a and Oregon. Of the day. All right, all right. Avery's going to move us on. What, you got you got an appointment. What do you What else are you doing, Avery? We've been talking for so long. People are complaining about how long our episodes are. That's true. All right. Yeah. Complaining. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. People are complaining. People complain. Attend the yeah. full three hour block, people. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about let's talk about Oregon, Oregon Arizona. Uh, we'll be really, really quick. Just one sentence from each of y'all. Oregon smacked the shit out of Arizona, forty nine to twenty two. Uh, the Ducks put this one away by halftime, taking a twenty eight thirteen lead after two quarters and leading forty nine to sixteen after three. Uh, the Ducks gained five hundred and eighty yards of total offense, eight point three four yards per play, gained seventy six percent of their available yards, and defensively. They held Arizona to 356 yards of total offense of 5.31 yards per play. Uh, dominant performance. I don't think we need to talk about this so much, but uh, but but real quick, Avery, are you convinced? Is is Oregon for real? Oregon is Oregon's good. Oregon's good and fine. I don't think they're incredible because again, like they, the only amazing opponents they played were Georgia and then Washington State. I we know Arizona's defense is bad. Um, but nonetheless, I'm still impressed with what Oregon's been doing. They've been winning the games that they need to win. Uh, I will shout out their offensive line. Again, Arizona's defense isn't incredible, but Oregon's offensive line hasn't allowed a sack all season. They've looked really, really good. Um, and I think that means that Bo Nix is due for a bad game anytime now, and I'm looking forward to that. But shout out to Oregon. I think it's uh, silly that you all keep saying Bo Nix is due for a bad game. He has three good games every single year. Uh, we are now week six. Every single game he's played, except for the Georgia game, has been good. Carlos, every every quarterback in this conference is due for a bad game. 
<laughs> oh, he's due for a bad. He's yes, correct. Uh, he's due for a bad game. I think that's very different than Bo Nix specifically is going to start being. Bo Nix has I, been pl- Bo Nix has been doing great. He's been doing solid. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, Matt, quick thought about this game. Yeah, Oregon might be for real. Um, I think that they can really run the ball. I think they are able to do some things behind the offensive line that are really, really impressive. I don't think the defense is great, but I don't think the defense is great anywhere. And I don't think that anybody is really going to be able to stop this offense with any reasonable, like within any reason to be able to expect their offense to be able to be, to be able to keep up outside of maybe UCLA. So, um, yeah, I mean, what you UCLA game in two weeks um, yeah. after or after this bye week? So that'll be interesting. They've been impressive. Um, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not put this on Bonex. He's fine. <laughs> Everybody, he they, is a what we call a game manager. Everybody, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, considering it's not what, bad, Matt, but he's yeah. not elite. He is no, no, not elite. No, but but considering that. Matt was convinced that he was going to be the reason Oregon doesn't win a bunch of games. Carlos, I, I know you're like hellbent on defending Bonex, but I need to remind you that Oregon fans think that Bonex is better than DTR. Like I've had this conversation they ch- they multiple times this that. season. I have had to defend DTR because they think they would pick Bonex. Why are you saying over DTR? DTR? Like that? That's, that's <laughs> actually racism. That was hard R. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it is. Um, no, no, I, I, I think that's insane. I don't think he's bad. Yeah, maybe we need to calm down, Oregon fans. Please calm down. Bonex yeah, is, don't is, inflate. Is that's why let's, I'm trying to keep their egos like <laughs> steady because they'll say some crazy shit. They will say some crazy shit. That they will. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's let's move on from these games real real quick. Uh, MVPs for the week. Let's hear them. I'm gonna start us off. DTR five total touchdowns. This is like what the the second week in a row that I picked DTR uh, as the MVP for the week. He clearly looked like the best player. Uh, what is on what is currently the best team in the Pac-12. So uh, I'm going to give it to DTR. Matt, what about you? Who's your MVP? Yeah, don't be dumb. Watch the games for once in your goddamn life. Zach Charbonnet, um, put that game away and and was definitely right. what yeah, actually he was broke Utah. He's, he my, definitely on my, list. my MVP is whichever offensive lineman the ball's helmet hit off of. Um, so that <laughs> Arizona State can get the pick six. That helmet is my MVP. That was elite such a, play. Elite such a play. wonderful <laughs> Really, really great. Um, uh, but actually, who's your MVP? <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be Zach Sharpnight. Okay. Yeah, I was just trying to be different. Cool and I, different. I understand. I understand. But it's good. It helps us know, like, oh, we keep saying uh, this guy's MVP. Maybe he's the best, the Pac-12 offensive player of the year or whatever. Uh, okay. Real, real quick. Uh, we're almost we're almost uh, done with this week. But, Grapes, just tell us, rattle off real quickly, 1 to 12, your Pac-12 rankings. Okay. So, top three, um, top tier contenders, UCLA, USC, and Oregon. I think UCLA has the best wins. That's why they are... Number one, I have Utah in a tier below and the almost their tier. I just don't, they had, they haven't done enough for me to think they're in the top tier. They also have two losses underneath that is hoping to find a spark. That's Wazoo, UW and Oregon state followed by looking for bowl eligibility, Cal, Arizona, ASU. I think Arizona state might actually become bowl eligible. Um, and then there's bad in a boring way, which is Stanford and then bad in a fun way, which is Colorado. 
Okay, not bad. Uh, Matt, any reactions? I I take a lot of uh, chagrin to Stanford being bad in a boring way. Um, stay up. That I don't think that was boring at all. At uh, it was exciting night. because of Oregon State, not because of Stanford. You're telling me that was skill out of Oregon State. Huh? You're telling me that wasn't Stanford <laughs> deliberately shooting itself in the foot? It's still mostly boring. Like that game was mostly boring. It was. It was very it was, bad. It was terrifying. Uh, all right. Let's uh, take a quick pause for a break and then we'll come back and make our predictions for the week. Aww, what's wrong there, young sports fan? My life is falling apart. My family left me because I won't shut the fuck up about my favorite team, the Oregon Ducks. What you need is to join the rest of the flock at the Quack 12 podcast. Sounds great. Is it some kind of drug? Will an eighth be enough? Because I'm chosen really bad. No, it's not a drug. It's even better. It's the world's greatest Oregon Ducks podcast. So do I snort it? Visit quack12podcast.com to find free weekly episode and links to the quack 12 patreon i'm sold who needs a family with drugs like this quack, quack. all right we're back it's time to make some predictions all right uh, avery first off how about an update on our betting bonanza yeah greg isn't here today so i guess i guess i'll update it um i was this close since we're a visual podcast, I am putting my fingers closely together. Um, <laughs> I was so close to going five and five for five uh, this week, but Oregon State did not cover. Fuck them. Um, so I went four and five. Me and KG and Dewey all went four and five this week. And that puts the um, rankings at KG is in number one with 70%. That's that's like fucking impressive. Uh, Matt is number two, 68%. What did I go on the week? How bad was I on the gambling? Uh three for five three five yeah um and then i'm in third place and i just want to reiterate that me being this this good at this is embarrassing for everyone else because i don't bet (laughs) i really just go for it and i shouldn't i shouldn't be at 65 percent. but yeah (laughs) it's a lot of fun if you want to be a part of that join our patreon and we'll send you all the links and stuff very, very cool. All right, Matthew Hubertson, how about an update on those lovely, lovely standings? I don't want to. No, thank you. Nope, nope. I so who's got it. him? Go ahead, Avery. I, Do don't it. Have Find it. It. I don't have it in front of me. Okay, uh, Greg is in first place. <laughs> Greg and Avery are tied on points. Greg gets the tiebreaker on the record of being 42 and 9 on his picks. Avery is 41 and 10 because she is fun and brave and clever. Uh, UCLA getting being a two-pointer feels so wrong. I can't believe. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're actually getting two points for that. Carlos is in third place at 40 and 11. F- uh, 42 points. Again, the two points out of that is just absurd. Matt getting just railed over here uh 38 and 13 on the picks 39 points overall tough scene tough scene was told was told you were always right was told you were the smartest one on this podcast again i was i was right (laughs) i was right about wazoo and stanford (laughs) Uh, (laughs) all right let's talk about the actual games we got five of them on deck no asu uh they're on by and then ucla and oregon are also on by before their big tilt in eugene uh so here we go first up uh this one this game fucking sucks uh saturday (laughs) <laughs> Saturday, uh, Cal is traveling to Colorado to play the Buffs at 11 a.m. 
Pacific on the Pac-12 Networks. Cal is a 12-point favorite. Avery, who wins? Who covers? I don't want to watch it, but I'm probably going to watch it. Uh, Cal's going to win, and they're going to cover because I am not a coward, and I will never, ever pick Colorado to cover. I want the platinum 0-12. Matthew Hubertson, please tell me. Listen, if we learned anything out of week six in the Pac-12, it's that one does not simply go on the road and walk out of that road stadium with a <laughs> win. Um, Cal's covering. Are you kidding okay. me? Yeah. Biden yeah. is still on. This is the dead coach bounce game of the week here for Colorado. So maybe I'm really tempted. I really want to do it just because like, I would never live that down if they actually won. Um, but I'm not that dumb. And again... Avery got in my head, and now I will never pick a like an underdog again. <laughs> uh, this is not this is not your sickos game. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> you absolutely have to watch this game. Okay, all right, fine. This is a great uh, game to next watch. Up, next up, two thirty Pacific. Uh, the Huskies play another desert t- desert team, but this time they get to host Arizona on the Pac-12 Networks. UW. A 14-point favorite. Matt, who wins who covers? Uh, UW is not covering 14 points. That No chance. Arizona is going to put up so many points. I picked Arizona to win this game when I was saying that they would win four conference games and become bowl eligible, and I am not going to abandon my Wildcats. I'm picking Arizona to win on the road. Ah, goodness, goodness. Two straight road games <laughs> this after is week one. six and this is not going on the road and winning games. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Avery. What about you? Who wins? Who covers? Matt, I thought you said you were always going to pick the home team except Colorado, so I'm a little disappointed. I'm, <laughs> I'm tempted. It's to about pick explosive Ar- plays, Avery. That's my I'm entire personality. I'm tempted to pick Arizona. I'm tempted to pick Arizona just because if they do win, that's like that's a lot of points right there for us. But I don't think they're going. <sighs> Wait, fuck. Oh. Honestly, surprised this isn't your bad vibes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to pick Utah to win. I, I don't think Coward. they're going to cover though. Yeah, give me. Uh, did I say my Cal Colorado pick? Uh, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, Cal to cover, and then this game. Uh, definitely not. Uh, Washington is definitely not covering. Uh, Jaden Delora I'm, was bad this week. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna go with Matt. I'm no, gonna say Arizona wins. No. <laughs> you asked for I it. You tried cool to convince me. You tried to convince me. <sighs> Damn it. Uh, it's gonna be a weird one. That one is uh, hor- that has horrendous vibes. But if yeah, if, if you beats the shit out of Arizona, I think they're a good home team. Are you really picking right. Arizona? Yeah. Oh god damn it. <laughs> uh, I want to pick Arizona, but I won't. I won't do it. Next game, four thirty Pacific. Stanford traveling to South Bend to play Notre Dame, who just came off a uh, completely fucking humiliating BYU. Notre Dame is a 14 and a half point favorite. Avery, who wins, who covers? Oh, Notre Dame's not good. They've been so mid, but Stanford's bad. Stanford's really bad. I, You know what? I'll pick Stanford to cover, but I think Notre Dame's going to win the game. Matt? You go. I'm trying to dispute your claim. You pick first. <laughs> okay. Uh, I... Yeah, I'm picking Notre Dame to cover. Uh, Stanford's fucking terrible. They really should not have been in that game with Oregon State. Oregon State's just in a is is going through some shit right now, but uh, yeah, give me Notre Dame by by fourteen easy easy by three scores. Okay, okay, so Notre Dame was up big in that game. I definitely didn't yeah. watch it, but I was like, I thought it was like twenty eight to twenty. Yeah, that um, was the end score, but like you know, BYU was just trying to catch up at the end. Yeah, I definitely get that. Okay, 
Okay, yeah, some weird stuff in that game. All right. Um, I just really don't think Notre Dame is that good, but I do think that Stanford is worse than Cal. So I will pick Notre Dame. I will be smashing any under that I can find on this one, though. <laughs> uh, this one's not your sickos either. No. Even though you put sickos in the show notes. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. No. <laughs> God damn is it? it. Yeah, it is my sickos. Uh, okay. Well, I'm glad we figured that out. All I don't right. know what, was, what else was going to be the Sigos game. Uh, okay. 5 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> this one, obviously. <laughs> uh, I think a game that's had quite a bit of shade, uh, shine taken off it a little bit, uh, but still, I think it's going to be monumental. USC traveling to Salt Lake City to play Utah. Utah is a four-point favorite. Matt, who wins, who covers? I don't. I, I don't. Oh, my God. I hate it here so much. I Vegas has continued to be wrong about Utah in these like three to four point spreads. But man, Utah at home is just violently better. Um, I don't, I really don't know what to pick here. I, I really have no idea. I really didn't want to pick first. And go with I your am heart. Stalling. Okay, if I'm going with my heart, I'm going to go USC. Wow. Avery. Yeah, I'm picking USC to win too. You two are fucking weird that, when you're sad. I know that Utah, I know, I'm not even sad. I'm like thrilled Utah lost to UCLA, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, I know Utah's like crazy at home. I just, I still think Utah's going to try to play man coverage, and I don't think they can. Utah's, Utah's, a complete, uh, Utah's a completely different team at home. They're like fucking, they're elite when they're at home. Uh, I, I Give me Utah. Give me Utah to cover. Also, you made fun of me. You made fun of me for the home field advantage shit in the past years. Whenever I would say Utah has crazy home field advantage, you'd be like, that's not a real thing. That's shut up. uh, And now you're saying it. (laughs) Fuck you. Uh, Well, uh, it's also that Utah has a a severe uh, away field disadvantage. Apparently, they're a 500 team over the past like five years uh, away from Salt Lake City. I want to switch my pick. Yeah, you can switch your pick, You can switch it. So it's Utah. You're picking Utah to cover or just to win? Yeah, to cover. Oh, all right. Two Utah covers and Avery's got USC to win outright. Yeah. I just threw up in my mouth. Uh, Finally, 6 p.m. Pacific. Mercifully, no Pac-12 after dark again. We've been having these string of games that start at 8 p.m. And this time our last game is at 6 p.m. So thank fucking hell for that. Washington State travels to the graveyard to take on the reeling Oregon State Beavers. Oregon State is a three-point favorite. Matt, who wins, who covers? It's the graveyard. Beavlet. Uh, I, I'm picking Oregon State. I don't know why. Grapes? Uh, this is the Bad Vibes game. Which way is she going, though? Yeah, I know. This is what I'm wondering. <laughs> Oregon State's so amazing at home, but the quarterback oh, no. play's just been so fucking oh, bad God that I just, it. I just, I, Wazoo's going to win. Wazoo's going to win this one. They're going to go into Corvallis. And also, I found out today, doing a little Googling, Wazoo has an eight-game win streak over Oregon State right now. Oregon State yeah. hasn't beat Wazoo since 2013. That's it's not great. That's not great. That's really bad. And you don't know who your quarterback is. You almost lost to Stanford. I'm sorry. I was gonna. I wanted to pick Oregon State. I really did. But Washington that, State's that's the better team right me. now. This is why she let me pick the Utah game. That's why she <laughs> let me switch the pick. God damn it. Oh man, this one is tough because I 
I'm not sure I trust Oregon State, but they're so much better at home. <sighs> Fuck. I'm going to pick Washington State. I'm, I'm siding with Avery on this one. I, I, I think Oregon State has some stuff to figure out. Washington State, genuinely a good team. Genuinely, like not like, oh, scrappy Washington State. Like, I think genuinely they're pretty good. Uh, they're not like top three good, but they're pretty good. Oregon State, I don't know. I have many, many questions about. So I'm going to pick Washington State. Did Greg send you his picks? No, he didn't, little what bastard. Fuck, Greg? Fucking okay. Greg, man. Well, I guess we'll post the graphic when he finally sends them in. I'm very excited to go one and four again in my picks again this week <laughs> with Notre Dame being the only winner. This is going to be great. Uh, it's getting weird. It's getting weird now. We're in the we're in the part of Pac-12 play where we're just like have no fucking clue. It's all shots in the dark at this point. Um, all right. Well, that was our show. If you want more Pac-12 stuff to dive into, check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com or follow any of us on Twitter. All our ads are linked in our bio at NoTruckStopsPod on Twitter. DM us your questions. Flock did that at the Flock is Hot. I uh, had a good discussion about USC or UCLA having the better offense. Uh, but, you know, if uh, you've got some questions, things that you want us to talk about, send it to us uh, at any of our uh, Twitter accounts or at No Truck Stops Pod uh, on Twitter. That's Avery. That's Gra- Greg. <laughs> That's Matt. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? I'm Carlos. This is No Truck Stops. Thank you for listening. And remember, <laughs> there are no truck stops here. Not true. I'm a truck stop. Utah might be a truck stop. I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet city street.